It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we're the Lockdown Bengals podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, on YouTube, we appreciate everybody who follows the podcast on those audio platforms, everyone who subscribes and has the notifications turned on on YouTube, all the comments, all the thumbs up. We love all the love, and we appreciate you making us your first listen. James, a lot to get to today, including Joe Burrow's comments about wearing a knee brace, which astute observers looking at photos and video from the Bengals' offseason workout program noticed he wasn't wearing in practice. He talked about whether or not that might carry over into the regular season. He also talked about recruiting free agents and liking that idea, liking that process and the future there. We're going to talk about Dax Hill, who has signed his deal and may be set to unseat Jesse Bates. And if that's the case, what should the Bengals expect in a trade? We'll get there later in the show. But James, let's start with the knee brace stuff, because I think some folks were a little worried about the idea, maybe that he's not going to be wearing a knee brace or or didn't wear a knee brace in practice and is considering We'll see, he said, not wearing a knee brace in the regular season. And I understand that concern. What do you think? It's a fair concern. Let's start with what he said. I don't think he plans on wearing a knee brace. I think practice-wise, he's treating it the same way he would treat a game as of now. And so the the interesting part is going to be training camp when they you, you start to see helmets and then we see full pads. Is, is there going to be a brace on? Obviously, he's not getting hit, and that's the point of of testing things out. And maybe he tries a sleeve. Maybe he tries a smaller brace. But that big brace that we saw last year and we saw all of last season, I don't think he wants to wear that. I don't think he necessarily wanted to wear it last year, even though he knew it was protecting him and helping him uh, as he worked through the, the knee rehabilitation process following that left knee reconstruction surgery. But now... I think it's like, man, my knee's better. <laughs> and so will he want it for the comfort of having it? Because people are – and you already know it. They're like, well, Tom Brady's worn it since 2008. That's a comfort thing. That isn't a, oh, my gosh, Tom Brady has this guru to keep him healthy and that's how he's going to keep from tearing his ACL forever. No, no, no. He's just more comfortable with it following that injury. And when Joe Burrow starts – to get in these pockets that are collapsing, that, that he does you know, feel uh, guys around him, defensive linemen around him, maybe he'll say, hey, you know what, coach? I'm going to put this knee brace on. And, and so training camp is going to be a big test uh, for me to see, does he no brace it one day? Does he brace it another day? Because I, I get fans' concern. 
at the same time, I think Burrow, in his mind, is going to try to do everything he can, even if it's uh, more leg extensions or whatever it takes, extra squats to strengthen that knee so he feels comfortable so he doesn't have to wear it. Yeah, I think the comfort point is a big one. I think there were a few times last year that he got hit and he was in discomfort because of the knee brace. And maybe the knee brace saved him from injury and it just felt shocking to his system or was painful because he got hit in that area and the brace maybe put pressure on his leg awkwardly or bent his leg a little bit awkwardly, pinched him. But, But what's interesting is, you know, you Google ACL brace and return to sport. And you look at the medical studies that have been done and the meta studies that have been done. And one study is that there's no clear evidence that wearing a brace prevents re-injury or there's limited evidence to support the idea that wearing a knee brace prevents re-injury of an ACL. And the evidence that does exist, according to another study, suggests that they're more effective in preventing MCL injuries than ACL injuries in clinical studies. So I found that to be really interesting. And that kind of comes back to the idea of comfort and the psychology of it. If he's comfortable with the strength of his knee and he's comfortable cutting on the knee and comfortable planting and all these things, mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't feel that the brace is required anymore. And if there's further evidence to suggest it's not required or even helpful necessarily in preventing re-injury, which a couple of studies I found suggest, then maybe you get rid of the brace because you're comfortable and you no longer need that psychological boost from whatever you get out of wearing that brace. And so I think he's going to make a decision that's guided by the team's strength and rehabilitation staff and his his own medical staff and his own comfort level. And I think that he's earned some trust at this point, right? And so we can trust the decision that he makes. For sure. And, you know, obviously... I'm going to keep coming back. I, I think it's going to be the comfort point, and maybe he takes a hit and decides to to switch it up in the preseason if that happens. Hopefully he doesn't get hit in the preseason, and hopefully he doesn't get hit much in the regular season. That's the other part of this, right, is they've added, and the offensive line should be much better, and I'm sick and tired of seeing Joe wincing, and I think he's probably sick of it too. And so that's the other part of this, and I get it. It's unpredictable, and you don't know. But if Joe Burrow sacked 70 times in 2022 – and something went so damn wrong that uh, someone should be fired. And I'm serious because that should not happen. There's no way that should happen. And it could be a player too. I'm not necessarily saying coaches. The point is, is that shouldn't happen after Joe the recruiter helped land Lyle Collins. Obviously, they signed Ted Karras and Alex Kappa in free agency. But Lyle, that five-day stretch of him in Cincinnati was was pretty wild. And, and Joe Burrow had something to do with that, hosted – Kappa hosted Hayden Hurst, hosted uh, Karis and uh, Lyle Collins before Collins had officially signed. And uh, he wants to do more of that in the years to come. I think this is big when it comes to landing future free agents. Thing that you know, I want to do every year, make sure that the guys that we're looking to bring in feel at home in Cincinnati and with the team because that's the culture that we're building in the locker room. We, you know, we're really, really close as a team, coaching staff, players, strength staff, trainers. And so I just want to kind of portray that to the guys that are thinking about coming here and that we want to sign. I think that he's also doing that with rookies. You, you're hearing about him reaching out to rookies as they come in. You're hearing about him talking about his leadership style. You see it with the way that he interacts with different players on the team, the way he talks about guys 
like Stanley Morgan as, you know, the most popular guy in the locker room. Joe Burrow is a relationships person. He's not the rah-rah leader. He's the guy that's going to try to connect with the individuals he's playing with. And he's talked about this and established that trust in the locker room and off the field because it translates on the field. And how does that translate to his free agency approach is relationship building. And we saw him do it this offseason. We saw him do it last offseason. And I know it was only one offensive lineman then, but we've seen him do this a couple of times now. And I think he's aware of the skill set he has as a quarterback with a lot of eyes on him, even if he doesn't like the attention that he gets from the public, he understands the platform he has and his responsibility and his ability to connect with people. And I think that if you talk to his teammates, they would probably tell you he's a genuine person who connects really well with them. And I think that that'll be an interesting thing to kind of observe as this team tries to build its culture this year. One practice observation from Tuesday uh, Puka Williams running routes with his hood on. And I just happened to be recording. I'm going to have to pull the video because I have it on my phone. I think I still have it on my laptop too. And Joe goes over to him and yanks his hood down. And you can tell he's laughing. He's like, what are you doing wearing that hood right now? It's 80 degrees or whatever it was. And it was just a, a funny moment. But that's a point about your leadership. You're talking about an undrafted guy who was on the practice squad last year is hoping to maybe – um, make the the 53 man roster most likely destined for the practice squad again. And the star, the biggest star, not only on the team, but in Cincinnati is, uh, is, is chatting with him and, and you could tell that they had a good relationship. So that's an example that you're talking about. Yeah. I think he's a great leader to have on your football team. Excited to see how it goes this year and with open locker rooms and some of the conversations that I know you're already having with players and relationships you're building. Maybe we'll get some fun stories about Joe Burrow as a relationship builder as well. The big news of Wednesday is that Daxton Hill, the Bengals' first-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, signed his deal. He may unseat Jesse Bates. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking Dax Hill as he signed his deal officially on Wednesday. Coming up next. But first, a word from Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. And right now, well, just picture this. Dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting. And then imagine if it was 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's essentially what a birthday cake puff is. And that's what you can get right now at built.com. I had a birthday cake puff bar earlier today, and it's amazing. White chocolate tastes like birthday cake. And I don't even really love birthday cake, spoiler. But I love the Built Bar version, so you need to check them out. They have a ton of different flavors for you. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're high in protein. They're low in sugar. They're low in calories, and they're perfect for Joe Burrow. They're perfect for Puka Williams, and they're perfect for you. So check them out right now, Built.com. Use promo code LAC15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, for 15% off the number one protein bar on the planet, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Axel has officially signed his deal, officially becoming a Cincinnati Bengal. He'll get about a $13 million deal. If I'm reading this correctly, four years plus a fifth year option, of course, available for rookies, although for for first round picks, I should say, although we're seeing less teams exercise those fifth round options uh, in the latest CBA because they're guaranteed because they're fully guaranteed. That's right. The the cap hit for 2022. We don't know the structure of his deal yet. Could be bigger than this, but it's probably somewhere in the two to three million dollar range. And. It's interesting because he's in his very first practice with the veterans taking snaps with the first seamers. But a couple notes on Dax Hill before we get to the Bengals football implications, because these are are people, too. And we don't know a whole lot about Dax Hill yet. James, you may have talked to him more than any other journalist out there. So maybe you have something to share. If you do, then by all means, jump in. But what we do know about Dax Hill is that his brother plays for the Ravens. He played a lot of basketball before he picked up football and came up as a running back and a linebacker before being a safety and a defensive back and really solidifying (laughs) his craft. These are the things that we know about Dax Hill. James, I imagine the time you spent with him, you know a little bit more. Yeah, well, I'll say this. He certainly doesn't look like a linebacker. And I'd say that to him. That dude does not look like no damn linebacker. Basketball, you could sell me on because he looks like a damn good point guard. I, I, I mean, think it was, I think it was Pee Wee football where he sure. was a linebacker. Fourth and I'm grade. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's where I think he probably gets the, I'm going to throw my body around, right? Um, just because he does. I mean, he's not afraid to, to try to mix it up there, even though he's not. Uh, huge from that standard when you're talking about giant safeties. You know, he's six foot 190. Looks like a, uh, you know, long, long legs, long arms. And to me, basketball player. Anyways, um, my my first impression of Dax Hill in person was, man, he's tired. You could tell that. But wasn't overwhelmed, wasn't blown away, had done uh, a 20-minute, uh, introductory press conference, then had to sit down with Fox 19, sit down with me. Then he had to sit down with someone else. Then he had to talk to writers. Then he had to go do uh, stuff for the Bengals. Then I'm sure he had radio hits and stuff that I didn't even uh, you know, keep track of. The point is, is he went through the ringer, and I don't think it's too big for him. Um, the, the other part, I, I was talking to a veteran. I don't know if I shared this on Wednesday show or not. I was talking to a veteran. I think I told you this, Jake, in, in the locker room. They're like, dude, Hill? He's got it. Like, and, and that's the thing is usually more times than not. Like right now, if you ask the Bengals offensive line room about Cordell Volson and you gave them truth serum, I bet you they have an idea. Yeah, right. It didn't take them long to uh, that dude could be somebody um, or maybe not. But maybe it's he could be something, you know, he's, he's not flashing. But Daxel is flashed. I guess is my point. And, and so someone in the secondary told me that. And so it's like, all right. So that, that part's cool. But to me, well-spoken kid, really excited to be here, excited to play whatever role the Bengals want to throw him in. And I think when we talk about this culture setter, the culture setters that they're looking for, 
he's going to slide right in and just be a part of it. And that's what you want. And I, I thought that that was going to be harder to do at 31. And this dude just fell right into their lap. I think he's going to be good to go. And I, I would not be shocked. The Bengals have a lot of big games this year. Don't be surprised if 23 makes some big plays and big moments. And the good news for Bengals fans who are worried that there's another first-round picker who may not contribute in year one, which was some of the initial question with Dax Hill, is that he's immediately working in with the number ones. And I know it's early in the offseason program, and I know Jesse Bates still might show up to training camp. They still might get a deal done. These are possibilities that exist in the universe. I, I don't know how likely they are, but... For Dax Hill, who's trying to find his way onto the field, getting work with the number ones right away is only a benefit. And it, it might not mean a ton in the long term, but just getting the work in. And, and if he has to play, you know, that true safety position because they don't have Jesse Bates or, or he needs to do more of the single high stuff than maybe the original plan was from Lou Anarumo, who was going to use him like a Swiss, Swiss Army knife. He's getting the reps in now. And it's just another path for him to, to contribute early. And so I think more reps are good for a first-round pick. And the Bengals have seen sure. a lot of their first-round picks sit out a year and not be major impacts in year one. And so while we would rather, I think, all see Jesse Bates in these voluntary programs and not threatening to hold out potentially for, for training camp and not suggesting that he might not play at all <laughs> on the tag – there's yeah. a silver lining, which is that Dax Hill is getting some good experience. For sure. No doubt about it. And I I do think it's a good thing because, one, we know Jesse Bates is training. It's not like he's not in shape and not working out and anything like that. And getting Hill those reps might be more valuable than giving them to Jesse. All right? Like most – like we could make it through the Bengals practice. I'm not saying we would look – like be good at it, but it – they're not doing a ton right now. So let's make that clear, right? So it's it's not like they're, you know, running 11 on 11 or anything like that. So it is good, I think, uh, to get Dax Hill some reps. And uh, as far as Jesse Bates' future, a lot of people, Jake, have been mentioning, move on, trade him, trade, trade, trade. They should trade him. They should have traded him before the draft. Trade, trade, trade. And we actually talked about it a little bit on the pod before. But since it's such a topic now with Bates not reporting, let's dive into it. What would it take for the Bengals to trade Jesse Bates? What would it take if we were the GM of the Bengals and could trade Jesse Bates? We'll dive into that next. But first, a word from Bet Online, which continues to be the number one source for all of your betting needs. You can get all the latest odds, info, NBA playoff odds. Man, oh man, the Celtics, they got burnt out, gassed in game one, which makes sense because they – had a grueling seven-game series against the Bucks in the semifinals. Well, now it's conference finals time, and do you like them? Are you picking the Celtics to win that series? A lot of people are, or are you going with the Warriors in the Western Conference? Maybe you like Luka and you're going to try to ride him all the way to the NBA championship. You can bet on the NBA conference finals, the NBA finals, and, of course, the NFL season. It's not here yet, but you can wager on it. So if you want to wager on the Bengals to win the division – to win the Super Bowl, you can do that at Bet Online. Don't delay. Get there now. I've used Bet Online. You should too. Bet Online, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Trading Jesse Bates. I think this is pretty unlikely, but I think that it probably is worth a conversation. Nonetheless, talk about potential compensation options and and the way that it becomes more likely the way that it becomes more likely if it, is if he is truly not going to play on the franchise tag and they are truly not going to offer him a long-term deal that he is willing to sign if those two things remain true then i would hope that the rationale like the logical approach takes over and says okay let's get some compensation instead of just not doing anything in that situation, right? I also think that if it were me, and I know that's how you framed it, James, if it were me, Mm -hmm. I would be trying to find some sort of player-for-player trade that I think makes me a lot better. And maybe it's a left guard. Maybe it's just another safety. Maybe it's a corner. I I know they drafted uh, Cam Taylor-Britt. Maybe it's a pass rusher. I'm not sure... Where you would go, I think it would be really hard to do a player-for-player trade when it's a player of Jesse Bates' caliber. But I would be interested. And maybe it's a a left guard plus a pick swap. Maybe it's a left guard plus a team's third-round pick for the Bengals, Jesse Bates in a sixth-round pick or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The the second-round pick straight up for Jesse Bates' idea, I think there's probably some precedent for that. He has had an up-and-down regular season. He hasn't had the accolades like a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick has had. And you look at the return from Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins to the Steelers, I I don't think that you're looking at anything quite that high in return for Jesse Bates. So so I I don't think it's going to be a massive compensation package if a trade were to occur, which is why, if it were draft compensation, I mean, which is why I sort of lean toward getting another player involved in the return. Well, the Minka deal is different because he was on a rookie deal still. And, and so you, you didn't have to pay him right away. It wasn't top of the market money. I mean, Bates is more proven than Minka was um, when he yeah, got but, but But that's the difference is the money. And, I, and I think so that's, that's one of the differences. I think Minka was, is pro- probably was also more highly thought of around the league dude, at that point. The Steelers, including people, and since I was in Cleveland at the time, everybody laughed at the Steelers for making that deal. I remember it. And it was a great deal, and they deserved praise at the time. Um, but t- to your point... Yeah. I mean, do you think you're getting a first round pick for Jesse Bates? No, probably not. And I'm not taking a second rounder for what we would do. It's a second rounder. What does that do? And the Bengals aren't going to blink in this situation. There's too many, there's too much precedent for it. They're just not going to. And guess what? Bates is going to show up. I'll I'll report it today. Bates is going to show up. I'm not actually reporting it, but you, I'll be, there's a reason he's training. It isn't because he thinks he's going to force his way to Miami. All right, or force his way to Tampa, or force his way to Houston, or force his way to wherever. It's because you're really going to pass on 12.91 million. You were a second round pick, Jesse. That's more than you made the past four years. All right, that's that's Dax Hill money in his entire rookie deal, and he's a first rounder. You just said it. You know, it's, it's so to me, he's going to play. 
That being said, what would it take? I like your thought process, the player for player. How can can the Bengals get better now? What can they do to get better now? And there aren't many trades where that it works. There aren't many scenarios where it's like, all right, you give up Jesse Bates and you get a player that's going to make it worth it. And I don't know. I, I honestly, what player is available? Like it, Jesse Bates for Debo Samuel. That doesn't make sense. He wants to get paid too. And if you pay him, then you're paying T. You're already paying Tyler. And I get it. People are going to say, all right, move on from Tyler after two years. Fine. But you're still not paying Debo T and Jamar in 2025. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, so that one's out. Who else is available? That's that's the tough part about this hypothetical. But I agree. If there was a structure where I'd be willing to sign off on it. I don't think you're getting a first rounder. Agreed there. Probably a second rounder could happen. I wouldn't do that if I'm the Bengals because that doesn't make me better. I don't know where that second rounder is going to land anyways. So to me, I'd either hold him and and make him blink, which he will. You're not passing on $13 million. All right. I, I wouldn't. I, I would take – I'll let anybody hit me in the world for $13 million. Jesse knows that too because he's never made anywhere close to that. doesn't matter. Um, but the other part of it is, it, it, you know, if you're the Bengals, you don't want to get worse this year. You're trying to win this year. I, they know they have to pay all these other guys. And so it's either find a player-for-player player trade that we aren't aware of or, or a, a mix of picks and players – uh, which is just think about how edgy that is for the Bengals or make Jesse Bl- Bates blink. Because to me, a second rounder, which I get, I think is realistic, just doesn't do it for me. And I don't think it'll do it for the Bengals either. Yeah. The the scenario where he's traded in the first place is one where like, I, like we've discussed, he, he actually is not coming to camp. It's, it's week three of the preseason yeah. and the Bengals can't get a hold of Jesse Bates. You know, they can get, they can get his agent and his agent saying, you know, Jesse doesn't want to talk to you. Right. And Jesse wants 20 million per, you guys show me the money. You guys better trade him because he's, he's going to actually sit out and then he'll wait to get his long-term deal next year. Cause he's, he's young. You look at, you look at the Bengals roster. The the guy is young. He's so, yeah, I I mean, I I think that a trade is, is pretty, pretty unlikely and I just wish we knew more. I wish we knew what he was asking. I wish we knew what the Bengals were offering because you look at the Bengals cap situation in the next few years and they, you know, the major free agents they have coming up don't hit for a couple of years. I, mm-hmm. I was looking at this today. Next year, their, their biggest free agent is, is probably Von Bell. Mm-hmm. Like who else? Are you worried about next year? They're probably working on extensions at that point. Sure. With Burrow, maybe Higgins. And and T. Higgins, maybe. But like Von Bell, Eli Apple, Hayden Hurst are your veteran free agents. And the the big ones hit the following year. But like the point is, is I I think they can make it all work. I still think they can make it all work. And and if they keep Bates, well, they just drafted. Everyone talks about Bates' replacement with Dax Hill. He could literally replace Von Bell, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's Hill and it's Bates. And, and so that's the other part of it is, again, from a safety room standpoint, you'd be paying Bates a lot. But 
you know, you're getting cheaper on the other end where you're paying Bell. I think they signed him to a three-year, $18 million deal, you know, so not that you wouldn't want to keep Bell. And I think there's also a scenario where Bell stays, Bates goes, and it's it's Bell and, and Hill for a little bit. But, yeah, I uh, I do. I agree with you, by the way. They can make it work. It's just can these two sides compromise, right? We've all bought cars. We've all been in the car dealership. There's been plenty of times where I just walk out because the dealer, you know, the, the salesman's focused on the car payment versus the actual price. Always focus on the price, not the stupid car payment. I hate how they do that. We'll bump it out to 96 months. Yeah, that's stupid because, you know, it's 40 grand or whatever. Anyways, the point is, can you find common ground? And most of the time you don't at the car dealership, but the times you do, it feels good because then you're able to get the car you want. And th- that's what needs to happen here. Can you find common ground between Bates and the Bengals? We know one thing. The Bengals don't really blink in these situations, and I would be shocked if they did here from a, all right, we'll, we'll send you somewhere else. Like they, They're going to make Jesse play on the tag this year. I'd be shocked if they didn't, if they can't get a long-term deal done. Should mention the other free agent, by the way, before his fans start yelling at me, his biggest supporters start yelling at me, Jermaine Pratt. Drew Sample? Oh, okay. Jermaine Pratt is the other big one. Although, yeah, sure. Drew Sample, too. Thaddeus Moss is a restricted free agent. Travion Williams is a free agent. I mean, how far down down the list are we going here? Who's the last player that held out for the Bengals? Do you you remember? Held out? Have they had a holdout? Like, (sighs) Joe Mixon, there were some reports back when that he was threatening to hold out. He was a hold in, basically. He never really practiced, but he was there. Um, no, not really. Like I, I mean, think back to first round holdouts way back in the day, like David Pollock, you know, Achilles, Achilles Smith held out for ever way back half. A lot of our listeners don't even remember Achilles Smith, but this dude, he, uh, why not? It's off season. I can tell the story. So beat writers told me I was eight years old at the time, but he held out for weeks. Cause they, the number one, you know, a first round pick in the top five, you're getting, 50 million guaranteed then held out for weeks to get his deal done shows up to camp right at the end of camp in Georgetown. It was when they were still practicing in Kentucky for training camp. And he rolls up with this big boom box and, and it just looked like, oh man, this dude is not buttoned up. He's not focused. He's not ready to go. And obviously it did not work in Cincinnati. So uh, yeah. that, that might've been the moment that might've been a sign holds yeah. out for weeks, not carrying the playbook. Carrying, uh, carrying a, a musical device that uh, a lot of people don't use anymore. Well, but if he was good, then we would look back at that story as the the start of his legend. So sure. that, that's just no how your your Chad legacy colors your box. history. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. Some other some other notable ones, I guess. Andre Smith, the first, but oh, the, the the rookie deal holdouts, you know, and, yeah, and I think different. they had some other first round picks. Um, Carson Palmer, I don't know if he counts as a holdout. He just quit. He, he retired. So that's not exactly a holdout. It was, I'm not coming unless you trade me, which is a bit of a different thing. Bates, as far as we know, hasn't demanded a trade. And that, that was the other part that, that I wanted to mention. It's not like we've gotten there yet. And so maybe we will. I think this, this past thing was like the next step in the, the negotiating process. We're uh, I'm not playing on the tag. Yeah. When does the trade demand happen? July 10th, right before July 15th deadline? I, is that when? I don't know if we'll get one. If you think he's going to show up, we're not going to get one, right? Because a trade demand is, is, is like, how many times do you see a trade demand and then 
nothing happens and everything's fine. Xavier and Howard, um, but yeah, not many, right? Very rarely because usually it's sour. Well, and, and the Xavier and Howard thing was like, pay me or trade me. It wasn't just trade me, right? Or I guess it got to that point where it was just publicly, as far as we knew, it was just trade me. But maybe it was pay me and they or ended trade up paying me internally. It. They did. Yeah. So, which is a weird knows? situation, that Xavier and Howard is. thing, because he had just been paid. I think he's going to play. I, I, like, I just. Can you imagine Jesse Bates sitting out when he has yeah. almost 13 million sitting there? I can. I mean, that's really you yeah. can you you could see him being Le'Veon Bell, really. I I can, yeah. I, I don't think it's like a. Be... I don't think it's incredibly likely, but I can <laughs> I can imagine it. It's not inconceivable to me at all. Like it's it's better than better than rolling like better than five percent. Oh, I. It's just insane. It would be insane to do yeah, that. I agree. He he won't get as much next year. He's going to get thirteen million this year. I I mean, and and by the way, I I have to do the. Re- I'm just spitballing here, but Justin Simmons played on the tag, right? The same, one of the top safeties in the NFL played on the tag for the Broncos for at least a year, and um, he's represented by Mul- uh, too. So and then he got paid, and then he did, but he played on the tag, right? I believe. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I believe he did. So, and that's just me talking off the top of my head. But uh, I think he's going to play on that. I would be. You said a, a higher than five percent. I would be stunned. Well, the way like, the way I think about it, the way I think about probability is I go from coin flips to roll a dice to how many sides are on the dice, and I got to twenty sides on the dice, which is the nerd in me. But also, twenty sides on the dice is five percent, and so like you roll a dice, a twenty sided dice. Sure. A bunch of times you hit the one, that's the amount of times he he actually doesn't show up, which is I, not super rare, but is is it happens. Yeah, I think my I think I do I might say like one percent. Like I think it's really low, man. Thirteen million. And I know yeah. there's taxes and I know there's agent fees. All right, yeah, I know. And that's you're gonna double your net worth, triple your net probably triple your net worth this year. So yeah. No, that, that's that's been my argument in the past as well. Like this is the life changing money, and yep. so it would be really silly to walk away from that. And it's a great reason to think he wouldn't. But I could see it happening. I, I don't think it's likely at all. And maybe it is more like two, one, three, some smaller percent. But we'll find out. The yeah, drama continues. The Jesse Bates watch has about two months left on May eighteenth as we record this episode. And we'll continue to see what happens there. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Jesse Bates, Joe Burrow, Dax Hill. The offseason program continues. And we'll be back soon. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.